Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Hello, good morning, and good grief. We are off and running. We have the Camo X Home Improvement Show. Two hours today, 10 phone lines for you, 314-436-7900. Call in, get going, let's get started. Uh, it's chilly a little bit. Uh, have you noticed that? Uh, maybe opening the windows now is transpiring into closing them and warming up the house as it is. We can talk about that. Again, it's time to put away the air conditioners. Uh, I think now it's safe to say we're likely going to uh, not really hit any 100-degree days. Pretty safe, you think? All right, well, now we're on to furnace season, heating season. And preparing that unit, that machine, that device, that appliance, however you want to look at it, whether it's gas-fired, electric, heat pump, geothermal, whatever those methods of heating and cooling are for your home, uh, really it's time to kind of take a look at those and have those checked out by a technician. Also look around your home. Be aware of any things because the windows and doors, first off, we want to lose no uh, heat. So as we heat our home, the inside conditioned area of the home is important to keep conditioned as well as secure from a safety standpoint. 314-436-7900. This is Scott Mosby. I'm at your service two full hours today. We're going to talk about all things around your home, some of the things around the industry and how it affects you and me in our consumer lives and how we deal with those things because uh, the world is a changing Uh, It just is. We've been through the pandemic. That was kind of a reset. It really didn't change any of the patterns in the world's um, population, Uh, but it did force feed us immediately to adjust because of the lockdown, the shutdown and all of that. Coming out now, we seem to have a shortage sometimes still of materials, logistics, getting stuff to us. Uh, Likewise, a shortage of uh, trained craftsmen in our industry. But that matches pretty much a shortage of younger workers by population across not only just the U.S., but around the world. Uh, The only continent that has enough people to really uh, turn the tide is Africa. And uh, typically just not so much of a uh, migration from Africa to here, South Africa, all of that. Um, It doesn't, that's the only country that really has enough of resource of people that can come to any of the other nations, continents around the world to change the employment point. So, let's get used to it. There's going to be a shortage of just about every kind of talent. Uh, Those of you that work in an office or trade or service, uh, basically, if you work, you know there's a shortage of talented people. So although we may have a good number of folks, getting them trained in the cutting edge new version, you know, the new buzzword is artificial intelligence. Holy smokes, now we're deeper and deeper into automation and computers and such. So even in my world, in the world of carpenters, plumbers, and heating and cooling, electricians and such, um, technology is pretty deep into the trades because it multiplies the power, the ability, the uh, capability of that skill set to do and accomplish even more and more efficiently. Um, A good example here. I'll tell you a story. Years ago, I bought a uh, Caterpillar large high-lift track vehicle, good-sized machine, 
And uh, it needed repair and fine-tuning to get all the controls operating correctly. Well, the technician comes out, incredibly well-equipped truck, sharp person, sharp technician, and he gets on his phone, and the phone tells him, so Caterpillar issues YouTube videos or videos that told him exactly how to perform every repair on that machine and pretty much any other machine. It was really an impressive kind of show of how does a company support the technician to achieve what they're trying to do for a customer at that very moment. So I found that, and and I'm suffice it to say that was some eight years ago. Uh, so think about how that's an example of how technology can and does and will support uh, workers uh, on the job site uh, all the way forward as we go into the future. Anyway, uh, much to talk about. Uh, also, keep in mind the season is changing. We're getting into winter. Uh, your responsibility certainly now high temperatures around 60 degrees. You're, you're getting it. I'm getting it uh, again. We know that it's coming. Uh, make sure uh, as we go through this leaf season, you know, as the leaves are turning, starting to fall, uh, again, uh, as we grind up those leaves or take care of our lawns or mulch them, rake them, whatever the system is, uh, it's going to be dustier around the yard. Dusty around the yard winds up on the pavement, pavement tracks into the house, comes inside the house, furnace filters uh, get dirtier. So just be aware that cleaning and changing your furnace filters now from now till really Thanksgiving if you will there will be a lot of dust around because it's dry we've had a very dry summer so even just cutting the grass just you know sweeping the front walkway all that brings more dust and the dust inevitably winds up in the house and so that affects filters. Uh, now, it's irrigation system. We're closing down irrigation system. Your yard sprinklers are all being uh, winterized, which means blow the water all of the out of the underground lines because those irrigation lines, uh, hoses, pipes, fit, fittings, valves, they're only about six or eight inches below the soil. And the depth of the freeze that we get in St. Louis is very deep, and that uh, temperature penetrates quite deeply. So again... Uh, it, it will freeze and destroy your irrigation system, my irrigation system, and anything else that you leave outside. Uh, uh, likewise, if you have planters and, and such, plants that are annuals that don't survive through the winter, you may want to cover up the top of those planters, those boxes, those whatevers, because if they are china, uh, and even if they have a drain hole, that soil will get wet. It'll freeze in December, January, February. And just like old swimming pool, if you remember when I was a kid, they threw barrels in swimming pools to, to so that the ice, when it would freeze in a swimming pool, would press and raise the barrels up out of the water. So the expansion of the ice would affect these barrels instead of pushing the walls of the swimming pool apart and destroying the swimming pool. Now we do different things and, and have different methods, but uh, it, it, the concrete's reinforced. A lot of things happening and different there, but the point being that ice and water, when it freezes, becomes ice. As it becomes ice, it gets bigger and expands. 
And as it expands, it splits water pipes, it pushes against foundations, does all sorts of things. 314-436-7900, 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Uh, we're going to take a short pause and come back. We're going to go right into the phone lines here. Today is the day to talk about getting your house ready for winter and, and frankly, uh, entertaining because we're heading into uh, weather times when overflows from the house for gatherings uh, easily goes out on onto the patio, the deck, the outdoors, uh, and the kids are going to be out there playing anyway. So oftentimes the whole kind of migration happens, and we still have some wonderful weather ahead of us here in St. Louis. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Give me a call, 314-436-7900. I'll be right back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Scott Mosby standing by, certainly at your service, two full hours, 314-436-7900. I am at your service. Uh, My day job, Mosby Building Arts, we were founded in 1947, been around for quite a while. And uh, I will be absent next week. Rich Orris will sit the seat in my stead. I am going, of all places, down to the city of Austin, Texas, for the Austin Formula One race. Uh, My son and I will be making that trip. So thank you for allowing me a little time to step away from the microphone. I'm going to be on a long walkabout to Austin. Uh, Let's start with my uh, friends here, see what's uh, happening. Let's talk with Art. Hey, Art, good morning. Welcome to Saturday. How can I help you this fine day? Yes, Scott. You know, every time you talk with respect to the lumber market, I keep on wondering, such as we got with respect to our currencies, we got currency swaps. Do they have the ability for bartering segments of the lumber industry, finished products and so forth like that, with respect to changing or altering the availability of these different parceled out products from the lumber industry. Uh, I'm not aware of a barter system, Art, um, but I am certain that supply and demand in terms of, you know, the size of these forestry, loggers, um, you know, Weyerhaeuser, Georgia Pacific, all the big manufacturers of building materials, that um, they are internally, I mean, some of these companies are so large, Art, that they are their own Uh, economy themselves and many are geographically specialized in various parts of the country Um, so the bartering the swap of of what they're manufacturing and what they're trading out and shipping to various parts of the country so although there's no real economic swap you know like uh, credit swap or lumber swap not that I'm aware of at my level you know I'm just trying to get enough two by fours to you know build the project for Mr. and Mrs. Smith down the street. So uh, there probably is, but I would speculate, and I'm speculating only, that that happens within companies themselves uh, and not so much uh, between, certainly not consumers. You know, Scott, I look through the history of the Federal Reserve from the 50s to the 60s, a fellow by the name of Melzer, and he'd come up nowhere with this here currency swaps the only thing with respect to international trade i notice is the classification of the volumetric or the trade weighted type of uh, uh, 
marketing, and I am aware with respect to the farm, uh, and I've been watching this here, uh, coconut uh, oil from uh, Thailand and so forth, how that Crisco products are being affected by Unilever and all that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no matter where you go, there you are. I mean, uh, our products that we consume here, uh, some originate here, raw materials wind up across the seas and then come back in finished product form. So, you know, it's interesting with all this onshoring art where we were, you know, global economy and shipping jobs all over the world. Now we're bringing them back to the U.S. for, you know, independence or, or less interdependent. We're still we're still dependent upon the whole world. If, you know, if China's economy goes kaflooey, you know, it's going to affect everybody somewhere, no matter what or why or who's doing it. So, yeah, I hear you. But, but let me ask you, Scott. Do you think it's wise to pull people that have been in the Hollywood and the moving actors, the businesses of being a part of into, say, for example, agriculture? Uh, no, <laughs> no, that that takes generations. Am I in favor of that? I am on a survivor basis for the whole international world because we just don't have too many agricultural jobs. And frankly, most of the farmers are driving their tractors on their smartphones and on electronic screens. So, you know, even, you know, where one farm worker um, now is probably worth 50 farm workers, you know, uh, 70 years ago. So uh, that migration has already happened. But even when it doesn't happen, more of these jobs are looking more and more alike of working on a computer screen, smartphone, some sort of, you know, connected something. And, uh, you know, and that's that goes without boundaries, which has all kinds of other issues with it. Thanks, Art, for the question. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement. Let's go next and talk to my uh, next patient buddy and talk to Anne Marie. Hey, Anne Marie, Scott Mosby here. Good morning. Welcome to CAMWAX. Well, thank you, Scott, and good morning to you. Thank I you. Quit. Can you hear me? Absolutely. You sound, by the way, Anne Marie, you sound marvelous. How's that? Well, that's great <laughs> because I had a little nasal noise this morning, so I'm hoping that voice is improving. Okay, here's my dilemma. Um, I am scheduled for this Monday to have an asphalt driveway taken out and a concrete one poured in. This was a sudden uh, call on Friday seeing we could do it on Monday since uh, it was scheduled for, uh, was it Friday, the day it was supposed to rain. Yeah. So uh, I'm wondering if it's a good idea. The low that morning is going to be 45 degrees. The high is going to be 62, and at least I know it's not going to rain. What would you recommend? I would get down on my knees and thank the good Lord for perfect weather. <laughs> that yeah, is the ultimate really. optimal, absolutely. I uh, think you sl- should keep moving on from Austin and go straight to the islands. <laughs> Oh, man, I'll tell you. it. No, no, for concrete, the slower that stuff sets up, the longer time it, Mother Nature gets to get all those chemical things, all those magical alignments of, of molecules in concrete, the slower that happens, 
the stronger the concrete. Now, it doesn't get strong early. It gets strong slower. But the PSI, a common measurement, pounds per square inch, compressive strength, concrete, the slower it gets a chance to do its thing, the more powerful, strong, well, and thoroughly cured it is, even at the temperature of 36 degrees Fahrenheit. At 36, not much is happening, but concrete creates its own heat when it does its curing. And if you've ever been driving down the highway and, uh, you know, the big... uh, uh, street and, and road crews are building a, a bridge and, and they're, you know, it's a beautiful sunny day and water rains down on your car driving underneath. That's because they're cooling off the concrete, trying to get it to slow down and cure more slowly so that it becomes a better, higher quality product. The temperature range you cited to me is God's gift to concrete curing. Oh. Yeah. No, no kidding. No kidding. So I should keep the appointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and be grateful. <laughs> I mean, water, con- you know, rainfall messes with it and all, but the tear out, the compaction, and a slow cure of a concrete pour is just fantastic. I mean, 40 to 70 degrees is the optimal curing temperature for paint, uh, stains, concrete, asphalt sealing, <clears throat> and some of those sealer chemical things need to be more like 50 to 75 degrees. They're optimal. But concrete, my gosh, the slower it dries, the happier it is. Now, there are things that concrete contractors add to accelerate the curing. So if I'm pouring concrete at 8 o'clock in the afternoon or in the morning or 10 o'clock, say they tear it out one day, they prep it all up, form it all up one day. Next no, they're they going to do the it all the same day. They say that they come in and they tear it out and then they just, they just yeah. do the whole job the same day. Yeah, well, that's a very well-orchestrated crew. Now, they may put in additives in the concrete that makes that concrete set up a little faster, um, which then makes even the temperature range that you're in right now even better because then they they can afford to push that concrete and put in accelerants, what they're called, to get the concrete to firm up so they can put a good finish on it before nightfall occurs. So that's they, they will manipulate the performance of that concrete, but Long and the short of it is, there is no better time to pour concrete than right now. Okay, and the recommended time to stay off of it, a car well, to the, stay off of it? The cooler, that, well, they're going to tell you, you know, stay off it for three days. I'd, I'd tell you to stay off of it for a week because the other side of that is the slower the concrete cures, um, then the the longer it takes for it to get to a high enough strength and driving straight ahead in and out is not a problem for the concrete it's when you take that power steering front tire and you turn that tire and it just grinds in place strips all that finish right off the top of the concrete because it hasn't really had a chance to fully cure and stick to each other so you know that's it's the power steering those concrete guys it, it, that just hate uh, but really driving straight ahead in and out doesn't really mess too much with the concrete it gets strong enough for that but those it's those literally abusive mechanical destruction machines called you know power steering and tires <laughs> okay let me take this one step further yeah so part of the um driveway the sidewalk is going to be removed just one slab Mm -hmm. so that of course from the street to the back of the driveway it's one consistent concrete perfect 
So, yeah. So yeah. how about uh, it's a pedestrian sidewalk, of course. So do I need to rope that off? Should pedestrians stay off of it as well? Uh, uh, yes, somebody should. Generally, the contractor takes care of that. They do this every day. They'll have cones and tapes and such. So I think you'll find that uh, it, this sounds like a pretty re- well-run uh, concrete company if they're going to pull it out and put it in a day. I don't think they're going to miss any beats on you know putting up barriers and tape or cones, something to okay. Uh, you know, and keep and the other up. one was for my edification because I have a flower garden that runs alongside that driveway, and I would of course be starting to pull out my uh, wind, my uh, summer flowers. So I just approach it from the lawn side. And I should stay off of it as well. Well, uh, foot traffic is not really a problem. After a couple of days, foot traffic is fine. So you can walk up and down the driveway. There's no real damage okay. to that. But I will tell you, your your flower bed, they will get at least six inches, maybe eight inches into that flower bed to do what they need to do to form up that concrete. So uh, be prepared to, to get those flowers out of the way if you want to save them. Um, because that the one thing about uh, the good news is they're going to do it in a day. The bad news is they are going to blow and go. Um, and, yeah. And that, okay. So they have a retaining wall of about maybe two feet to deal with. Will they be able to to do the, what you just said? Uh, yeah, they can turn down the edge of the concrete and and kind of pour that. Uh, you know, that's there are a few different ways to handle that, but uh, they'll they'll take care of that in some fashion. They may even you know pour that the first day or, or early in the morning, and then come back and pour that other section adjacent or on top of that retaining wall. So uh, that that's kind of from from a guy like me. That that's kind of the entertaining wall because uh, entertaining point because I want to see how they're going to manage that. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I noticed two different, <laughs> um, I hope I'm not taking up too much time here. Um, I noticed that this company, because of course I checked them out and checked their work, mm-hmm. on one driveway they did um, the scowling effect, so it has a ridge on the edge and on the other one, it was totally smooth concrete across the whole surface. My yeah. preference is to have the nice, clean look. Is there an advantage to on the a driveway? First... Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you it's... talking about smooth finish versus? It's a smooth finish, but... You know, on the one, I don't know how else to yeah. describe this, Scott. No, I think I know what you... It's an edging tool that actually puts kind of a picture frame around the perimeter. Yes. Is that what you're... Yeah. Yes, and I didn't find it as attractive as the smooth finish all the way across. So yeah, the question is, that. is there an advantage to having that edging? No, no, that's just old school... Um, you know, uh, tradesmen, you know, we put a nice picture frame around it on an edging, but it's all personal preference. So you just tell them which way you want it. It doesn't take them any more or less time to do it. They will use an edging tool to finish the ter- the whole concrete. So they'll manipulate the concrete with that tool. Then they'll come back and trowel over it and either brush or swirl beyond it. So uh, don't get alarmed if you say, I want, I don't want those edging tools to show. They'll still use an edging tool to manipulate the concrete into a finished trim and, and crisp edge like they're 
you know, yeah. trained to do. I, I already informed them of my preference and sent them photographs. Perfect. Now, on the one that they put the edge on, the concrete seemed to be a little bit grayer. The smooth finish was brighter. That was another reason I liked it. Do I have to ask for some specific kind of concrete no, to get that no. effect? They'll do all of that in their uh, pressure and, and strength of the concrete and additives. But when you have a smooth, slick surface, what's called a, a steel trowel surface, that's like your garage floor, very smooth, very you know slick, if you will. Um, so that is what the edging tool does. And it dries and cures at a different rate. So you'll have the edging tool kind of one color, and then either the broom finish or the swirl finish of that concrete a different color. So it's all about how Mother Nature cures the concrete, not really whether it's really different colors of concrete. It's how the moisture, how fast the moisture leaves or doesn't. So, yeah, I'm running out of time now. I'll have to go here. Uh, thanks, thanks, Anne-Marie, for good questions. And everybody's doing concrete here one time or another. So that's why I wanted to get into all this with you and take so much time because we're all faced these same decisions when, you know, sooner or later we're buying concrete one way or the other. 314-436-7900-436-7900. Scott Mosby at your service. And we're just having a nice time communicating the various uh, pluses and minuses, advantages and choice. If you decide to do A, it will affect C. You know, whether it's a budget, I want to spend a whole bunch here on this, you know, oven or whatever it is. Well, that leaves a little less dollars of the budget for the floor or whatever. So everything has a corresponding consequence. And, you know, to get all of the answers that you want, sometimes you have to change the rules. Uh, sometimes the rule is, well, I want to change. I want to spend this much over here. It's like, well, if you want to keep the budget, then we have to spend less on flooring and pick out a different, oh, I don't want to do that. Well, then the rule has to, okay, you either need more money or a new selection on floor. Everything has a consequence. It's all connected and um, just how the world works. 314-436-7900 puts us together here. I promise you my best uh, answer that I can muster for you. We're going to take a short pause and come back for more after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And good morning, Scott Mosby here at your service on KMOX. I want to throw a little shout out, toot my own horn a little bit, and congratulate all my co-workers at Mosby Building Arts. Uh, won the Better Business Bureau Torch Award for a third time. Uh, according to the Better Business Bureau, you can only win a torch award. They don't let you really reapply except for every five years. So every year for the last 15 years, we've uh, um, been selected by the Better Business Bureau for uh, ethical behavior and, you know, following up on customer service and just kind of doing the best we know how to do. Uh, anyway, so thank you and congratulations to all the people that I work with at Mosby Building Arts and our clients, all the people that make it possible for us to, you know, be employed, raise our family. Families, uh, really, and, and get through this world uh, in a connected way. Uh, phone lines here for CamWex if you want to connect here right now. 314 436 7900. Next up, let's fire up and go to my friend here, Missy. Hey, Missy Scott Mosby, good morning. Happy Saturday. A little frost on the pumpkin today. How can I help you? Good morning, Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Um, my problem, I think you've covered that it was quite a while ago, and I cannot remember what you thought were possible pro causes and then the solutions. So I live in a house built in 1964, 
It's a typical ranch, and my problem is in the hallway, mm-hmm. and only in the hallway. There are four bedrooms that lead off of this hallway with a hallway bath and a linen closet and then this gigantic attic fan at the end. Mm-hmm. And what appears to be happening is my hallway appears to be perspiring, I guess, if I can say that, but it comes from the ceiling down on the walls. Now, the back side, you know, this does not happen in any of these bedrooms or the bath. Mm-hmm. It's solely in the hallway, and it's only periodically. And I can tell you that I've got a great roof on. The roof is not leaking. I've been up in the attic. It's perfectly dry. And this happens uh, primarily through the summer here? You know, I've seen it sweat in the summer, but I can't honestly tell you, like, when it does and when it doesn't. Well, I can tell you what it is. I see the drips. Okay, perfect. Well, so St. Louis is very humid, and you have a huge hole in your ceiling in the hallway called a ceiling fan. And it has probably, is it a metal, how long has that ceiling fan been in the house? Forever? Oh, forever. It has a jet engine. You know, (laughs) when when this thing fires up. (laughs) Dogs and cats disappear up through the ceiling. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the, in the summertime, um, when we often use that early in the morning, um, and and there's a, and we don't see those much anymore in houses because they don't have really good insulated louvers and seals. So what happens if you can think of this in terms of air? Uh, the air in your attic, the air outside the house in the summer, and we we're just on a cooler day of this today. But that air leaks through very, very subtly through those louvers in that attic fan. And it, like a strata, you know, the top foot of your hallway. And since all those door heads are down about a foot, foot and a half, so that strata of wet air or humidity hangs there. And then you're pumping air conditioning into it. Well, that's like all the condensing droplets on your iced tea outside in the middle of the summer. You have cold air colliding with warm moist air and it typically will stick to the colder surface so you air condition that hallway uh, and you know the plaster of the drywall gets cold and stays cold you know it stays the temperature of that 72 degrees air conditioner whatever well then you throw effectively a layer on the top foot of your hallway of humid air and it turns into water Uh, because warm, moist Mm -hmm. air hits a cold surface, and it hits what's called the dew point, you know. So like Mr. Murray reporting on the weather forecasts and such, the dew point is occurring right there in your hallway, and there's nothing really wrong other than you might want to either remove that attic fan or nowadays the attic fans we buy today are have like two inch thick foam filled insulated doors and they mechanically open up and then the fan turns on. So it's like a big walk-in cooler refrigerator in a restaurant. Um, They're big two inch thick insulated doors and they seal up with gaskets trying to um, seal up that house. You know, the, the concept in construction is build it tight and then vent it right. Well, your house is is built pretty tight 
until it comes to that attic fan. Then you have just this monster hole in the ceiling and, and you just can't control the environment in there with that kind of a machine. So do I hear you suggesting if you want an attic fan, you probably should replace it with a newer model that has insulated slats or door? Yeah, and they're little bitty things. They're nothing like that three-foot round, you know, jet engine you have in the ceiling. So so uh, house fans, whole house fans now, typically sit between the joists that are 16 inches wide or 24 inches on the ceiling joists. So they're smaller, um, and you need more of them throughout the house. They don't move the same cubic feet per minute of air. They don't move the same volume. So they're kind of toys compared to the thing you have, but they are more accountable on the seal-it-right concept of construction. Okay, so let me ask you one more question. Mm-hmm. Would venting, like, I, I noticed that um, many years ago we put on a roofed deck, and our house, they they made the overhang match the house, which is very wide, And I noticed that that soffit has vents in it, but our soffit, the old soffit, like around the house, has nothing. So does, if we were to try to vent more air to the attic, would that fix this two-point problem? Uh, No, two different different issues. In fact, fact, you you need at least one and a half to two times the normal attic ventilation for that attic fan that you have to exhaust the air. It literally is a jet engine blowing thousands of cubic feet per minute of air. So it's pressurizing your attic. You need a lot of holes in that attic, like overhead soffit vents, pan vents on the top, ridge vent, gable end vents, you know, all that. You need a lot of ways for that pressurized air. Even if you take this thing out and replace it with a new one, you need one and a half to two times the amount of exhaust. Uh, so anyway, more of those vents anywhere on those soffits is a good thing. Anyway, sorry, Missy, I have to uh, get going here and be accountable to the uh, Federal Communication Commission, FCC. They kind of like me to do things on time, which is, you know, I mean, it's one of those contractor things, you know, like finish on time, get that kind of thing. Anyway, Scott Mosby here, uh, 314-436-7900, and I'll get into a few of the more issues here with Missy's ventilation uh, as we come here on GAMWAX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, Home Improvement KMOX. Hey, I want to put a shout out to my producer, Drew. So uh, when you call in, uh, say hello to Drew. Uh, Thanks, Drew. You're doing a great job. I appreciate your help uh, every week here on KMOX. Let's talk with my buddy, see what's happening. Dan. Hey, Dan, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help, my friend? Good morning, Scott. I got a real quick question. I got a kitchen remodel going, mm-hmm. and we have a four foot by ten foot island we're putting in. All right. And I'm checking to see the code on the outlets in the island. Uh, well, they're ground fault circuit interrupter. Uh, do you do you have any water plumbing in that island? No, uh-uh. there's only a cooktop in it. Is there um, electrical within five feet? Uh, could you possibly touch that electrical outlet or your island and the kitchen sink or any plumbing around there uh, within, like, you know, in the stretch of your outstretched arms? 
No, actually, there was an existing island uh, previous, and there was an outlet uh, on either side of it. And um, so the electric was existing. um, But the way I understand it, the new electrical code is in 2023 is that you do not have to provide outlets in an island, but you have to run wiring in case a, uh, a future homeowner would like to have them there. I can't. I can't speak to that fine point. I can tell okay. you, in my world, uh, we would require an electrical outlet at least on each end if it were ten feet apart. Because uh, yep. generally, you're still accountable to, you know, every eight feet or every ten feet, whatever it is, on exterior walls and interior walls. You have to be able to find a plug to plug something in. Well, in a kitchen. I can tell you, uh, I'm not sure exactly what the code is, but I can say we've never built one that doesn't have one or two electrical outlets um, by lineal feet. So if you're at one end of that island, theoretically, you're too far from the other end to get a plug. So I would recommend, especially if you're putting the wiring in, gosh, you already spent $1,000 to get the wiring in, spend $200 more to use the two outlets you put on the two ends, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that kind of answers my question. Yeah, um, yeah. I promise you, you, if if you built that island with that much countertop space and didn't have the ability to electrify it, oh man, you know, I I would not want to answer to whoever the chef is in that house. <laughs> <laughs> okay, All there right. you go. Well, that, that that helps me out. I appreciate it. Whatever the correct code answer is, that's the right answer. <laughs> okay. All right. Thank you. All right, Dan, thanks for the call. Uh, Next up, let's see what's cooking with Scott. Hey, Scott, good morning. How can I help you, my friend? Hey, Scott, you there? Hey, Scott. Yeah, sorry about that. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, Quick question for you. I installed a a storm door in my condo, and my problem is when I've got a back door, and when I Mm -hmm. have that back door open, it's like a vacuum, and that, that storm door is slamming even though I've adjusted the shock. Mm hmm and the question is, you know, when the back door is closed, the, the shock works perfectly. But, you know, I rent this condo, so I'm concerned that if I'm not there, somebody doesn't know how to adjust it. It just slams like that glass is going to break. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you... Well, likewise, the closers, if you don't open the closer far enough to where it, it, it does its hydraulic loading, then when the door tries to get sucked closed by the back door being open, um, the the hydraulics. Now, you can add a second hydraulic closer on that door on the front, but still, if you don't charge it by opening the door far enough, you know, it, it doesn't work either. I don't have any really good answers for you. Rubber is on that uh, jam. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, I thought about yeah. adding a second closer, but it, I guess I'm going to run into the same issue. Well, you can, so, it, it, but there are, when you get heavier storm doors, you get security doors, some of these uh, heavy aluminum, they look like cast iron. Those doors, you know, or glass, they're heavy, and you, you just need more uh, control hydraulics, so a sec, excuse me, a second storm door closer to soften or shock absorb that, you know, the resist the slamming uh, speed of that door. But, man, when you have that kind of wind coming through, I mean, I've had doors with two door openers when, the you know, somebody comes to the door to deliver, you know, something. They knock on the door and they open the st- If they don't latch it and the wind comes up that night, it literally rips the storm door off the frame. 
Yeah, that, I'm concerned with that too. So, yeah. Well, okay. I guess I'll just uh, keep adjusting it as much as possible. Yeah, I, I, there are little clear rubber bumpers that you have to make sure the catch and the keeper on the door works. But uh, some of those little cabinet clear door bumpers that stick on, they, they don't la- they don't stick on very long and, and take some alcohol and rub your surface on the jam. But if you can buffer that slamming feature, you know, that might be enough just to keep the glass from, you know, shattering in, in those, you know, extreme conditions. But, man, I feel your pain. I've been there, and, and sometimes it's just almost impossible to get adjusted right because you can't you know one size doesn't fit all you're you're set up for 70 mile an hour winds and you're set up for three mile an hour winds well there's no one size that of adjustment for, even for that opener or closer that's going to comply with all that good luck well i appreciate your help yeah i'll, I'll try to get a buffer i'll see if that'll work yeah okay take care scott all right, bye now. Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. We've had a good first hour. Uh, stay tuned. Hour two coming up next right after the news, weather, and sports. We started out with art commentary on the international uh, economics of products and swapping all sorts of value. Uh, then we talked about a little bit of concrete onto, uh, you know, overhangs and ventilation for attic. Anyway, more things coming up in hour two of University of KMOX. I am Scott Mosby at your service, and we'll... Be back after the top of the hour.